Welcome to a special podcast exploring the music industry and how to turn your musical talent into a financial success. This podcast is sponsored by Zero, beautiful accounting software in the cloud. I never thought I'd say this again, but it seems that there are actual people across the music industry making money. Not just Sam Smith's management team, but a whole load of other people toiling away in this seemingly thankless business. They contributed huge amounts of cash to the UK economy last year. So much so that the music industry wiped the floor with the rest of the British economy by generating 9% growth. Good times, you might think. But banks and lenders are still reluctant to lend much-needed cash to bands, labels and new music platforms, making starting out in the music industry a tough and depressing prospect. Hello and welcome to The Guardian's Small Business Network's How to Make It in the Music Industry podcast. I'm Ruth Barnes and today we get our teeth into the problems facing musicians and bands who want to grow their business. We'll chew over forward-thinking, alternative, creative methods for success and get to the bottom of what lenders find so off-putting about the creative industries. Oh yes, and that most divisive of topics, streaming services – We'll look at the challenges and opportunities. That was Mother by Coco and the Butterfields. The band from Canterbury beat off 40,000 other artists to win UK Live and Unsigned in 2012 and have since self-released four EPs. I'm joined by Tom Twyman from the band. Hi, Tom. Hello, Ruth. Thank you so much for talking to us. Um, Fascinating, really, because a lot of the bands who I come into contact with who are starting out tend to launch straight into a crowdfunding platform. Um, this is something that you guys haven't done. And that was a conscious decision not to go down that route, even though you've got a massive lot of fans that you could be asking for money from. Yeah. So just talk us through that. Why are you holding back before you do that? We feel as a band that it is important to establish ourselves as a brand uh, initially before we ask anybody for any money. So, you know, we've um, we wanted to establish a loyal fan base by doing things like busking and sort of obviously gigging as much as you can we've budgeted so we'll do a gig and we won't necessarily take the money for ourselves but the band would put it towards things that needed financing for example recording uh, printing your own cds advertising and having a good sort of business strategy as it were where i think a lot of bands might not necessarily think about initially i think some musicians and artists would probably shy away from terms like business yeah. strategy <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. and even the word brand but it mm. sounds like you guys have really got that quite sort of clearly marked out in your head because realistically this day and age you're just not going to make any money if you no. don't think about your band as yeah. a small business exactly and we really wanted to give this band a proper go and every member of the band we wanted to be completely available to give everything they could to it and unfortunately most unsigned independent bands they've got other jobs and it's juggling the two whereas with this project i really wanted everyone to be as free as possible so that meant earning enough money that everyone would be able to commit to the band. So what are some of the things that you've done to attract fans and to attract paying customers to your gigs? (laughs) (laughs) Busking in just all sorts of places around the country. And we've never said no to a gig. We've, We've taken every single gig 
we've played in TK Maxx. <laughs> somebody knew somebody who asked us to come and play in TK Maxx and we played amongst the clothes in the lobby of TK Maxx. That Max. is surreal. So people have seen us in the most unlikely situations and I think that kind of thing really helps it, it helps you remember a, a band if you see them completely out of context brilliant well listen thank you good no luck thank good you luck. we will look much. out for your uh, your crowdfunding campaign however thank which you. way you, t- you decide to do it um and thank you very much and we're going to hear more music from coco and the butterfields coming up i'm joined by a panel of experts to talk about some of the issues raised so far a few things that tom has mentioned and beyond but first we're going to hear a track that you've recorded exclusively for this podcast thank you very much coco and the butterfields this is mother Mother, can you hear me? I'm stomping down the stairs Going to the riverbank to meet the others there And you, well, you say I'm not prepared You go on and on and on and on and on and on and Come, my father Come, my brother Come, my sister, too to do but I'm stuck in making sense of what was left before you flew to sing and dance by riverbanks sounds mighty bloody fun but who be rinsing clothing through when all of you are done so out you go out you run I won't begrudge you of your fun although I may be here all day I'll be thinking of you on your way take it down and just you won't tell me of your blues sing and dance with all the others pass my love As promised now, I'm joined in the studio by a panel of indie music industry experts. We have Claire McNeil, project manager at the Association of Independent Music, specialising in startups. That is right, isn't it, Claire? We help creative industries, but specifically music, to uh, access startup loans. Excellent. Julia Payne, a director at Hub UK, expert in ideas sharing. And it's a terrible phrase, but I think it works for you, thinking outside the box. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, So we work with a lot of uh, small businesses, a lot of all sorts of different kinds of organisations to get them to think differently about how they work. Sarah Thurtle from Creative Industry Finance, which is fairly new, isn't it? But it's kind of all about the money. So Creative Industry Finance is a programme run by a company called Creative United and our remit is to support the sort of business skills development of creative businesses across all the sectors. Excellent, more on that uh, very soon. Okay, Keith Wyatt from record label Indie Kitchen. Um, Not only can you watch some fine new talent play in a Cornish farmhouse kitchen, which is very charming, but you can also find recipes for, and I got lost in this recipe the other day, sugary jam donut muffins. It's not enough that they're donuts, they're muffins as well. Welcome, Keith. We started off with the sessions and the the bribery of cakes for people to come and play (laughs) sessions. Um, And we've had some pretty good artists coming to do sessions, but we've evolved into a label and we're working with 
Julia and creative industry finance to uh, advance our business. So, Excellent. Uh, You're actually doing it, which is yeah. wonderful. OK, Claire, let's start with you. In terms of AIM, trade body, of course, you must get a lot of bands, labels starting out, coming to you and just going, ah, help. What are the, what are the issues that they're coming to you about, really? Um, initially, uh, when you have an artist that is going to become a label, so an artist-owned label, sometimes they don't really identify themselves as businesses. And sometimes at our events, when I'm meeting people and saying, how's the business going? It's, oh my God, I'm not a business. You know, they, they don't view themselves as business owners. They just view themselves as doing something they love. So when they do have uh, an issue like accessing finance, that's where they, they sometimes, they're creating a barrier almost themselves because they think it might be difficult to approach. No one wants to put their hands up and say, I'm absolutely excellent at the accounts. <laughs> no, no, they, they want number one. They don't, they, they don't want to say that they reconciled their bank. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're right. Um, it, is, it is kind of mind boggling that in, in this day and age, when you go to traditional lenders and you want to start up a pizza franchise, you know, you're probably going to have a very interesting conversation with someone very nice who wants to maybe give you some money at the end of the day. When it comes to labels, when it comes to anything to do with the music industry, lenders aren't up for it. Julia from The Hub, why? Because I think that probably most of the people they're going to talk to have that same view that Claire's just talked about, that people in the music industry and the creative industries aren't really in it to be a business. I think that's certainly my experience of people sort of being turned down. They just think they're risky. They think they're not serious. Sort of characterising people's view of the creative industries as people who are maybe a bit sort of, you know, wafty, not really focused on the money. I think it's all those prejudices that schemes, I suppose, like um, the AIM Startup Scheme and Creative Industries Finance are there to sort of smash, really. Keith, did you find that? Did you find you had to put on a a smart shirt when you went in and got your first loan? Yeah, I think that one of the challenges working as a label, if you look at traditional business plans, is that people are looking at market sector analysis, that, you know, who your competitors are, what market you live in. And obviously, as a label, who are your competitors? Are your competitors another label? You're not most buyers of music haven't got a clue about what label it's on it's irrelevant and so you know there are many bands many artists out there you know are those artists actually your competitors or are you part of a market with them a lot of traditional lenders as well as them seeing musicians as having their heads in the clouds or creative types it's actually how you fit a a music related business plan into that traditional format really i think the other thing though to say is that it's not all about people being turned down by lenders i can't imagine there are that many musicians out there at the moment without schemes like AIM Startup or Creative Industry Finance who would even consider going for a loan, who would even consider that that's part of what they should be doing next. So I think that it's slightly unfair to to kind of, you know, apportion all the blame, if you like, to lenders. I think it's also about people finding each other. Absolutely. Sarah, I think you need to jump in there with uh, with creative industry finance because you, Julia made a great point there. I think a lot of musicians would never even dream of going to the man in a suit to ask for money. That is definitely a thing. I think it was back in 2010, UK Music produced a, a report on access to finance and they had some case studies and some stats in there which related to music businesses which... Um, that asked them, would you go to your bank? And there was a huge proportion of them who just thought, well, that's not for us. That's We're not going to be able to talk to them. And there is actually some evidence to suggest that that is the case because there were case studies talking about established labels that had a really good track record were going to their, not just their high street bank, but many high street banks to say, look, we've got 10 established artists and we've got this track record of releasing all these albums. We need 
uh, £200,000 to develop this next record and then we know that we can reach this market. And even then, lenders would saw them as being risky because they might not have really understood the value of that intellectual property and really understood that music market. And that's where creative industry finance is sort of intervening because not only are we enabling creative businesses, including lots of music businesses, to feel more confident with how they present their business plans, but also creating this evidence base to say, look, people can lend to these businesses. It does work. They come out with these successful outcomes. Claire, in many ways, it's an old cliche, isn't it, that sort of, you know, sleeping on a couch, working a really crummy bar job um, is a rite of passage for for musicians. But is there something to be said for actually musicians? Just do they just need to go and get jobs and and do music on the side? Is that what we've come to in this day and age? I hope not. Um, (laughs) Having said that, my mother still keeps asking, when's my husband getting a real job? He's a photographer. So perception is a real problem, isn't it, for people? It is. uh, And... It's unfortunate that sometimes you have to you have to have the day the day job and not be doing what you love twenty four seven, you know seven days a week and it can be difficult when your family and friends also don't see that what you're doing is real because you do need that support and one of the things that we actually ask any of our applicants that come in is who have you got around you and are, are they behind this business idea and do they know it's a business and it's not just you up in the spare bedroom strumming a guitar. Um, and and that, that is really critical. And if they don't have that support network, that's where AIM and all these other organisations come in. Because you do sometimes need someone to say, no, what you're doing actually is real. And, it, and you do have the right to, to charge for it because someone's taking enjoyment out of what you're producing. Keith, do people still ask you when you're going to get a real job? Yeah, there is that perception that it can seem like a hobby. You know, I think also part of it now these days stems from um, the fact that a lot of people get music for nothing. A lot of people expect to get into gigs for nothing. So it is a challenge to find ways to create an income. Well, that's a beautiful way to get us on to solutions, Keith, which is our next bit of the podcast that we're going to try and get to the bottom of what you offer, Sarah, first. Hi. I'm looking at you straight in the eye there. Creative industry finance. If someone is listening to this who is an artist starting out or mm. a, some sort of music industry professional with a small mm. business, what kind of thing can you offer them and what should they be coming to you with? Okay, well, Creative Industry Finance is there to support businesses who already are established to some degree to find the right route to help them achieve where they want to go with their business. So it could be their business plan, it could be taking that box of receipts and turning it into a spreadsheet, or it could be much more bigger thinking about where is it that you want to go, what does your success look like? And then we're also pairing them up with commercial and alternative lenders that have joined on board with creative industry finance because they want to lend to creative businesses which is this hugely innovative model so it's public funding with the arts council coupled with these lenders that in some way want to support creative business. Julia tell us a little bit more about the hub and what that that aside from the great work that you're doing obviously with uh, creative industry. One of the big projects we're running at the moment is a project called Joining the Dots which is all about testing and then sharing know-how about potentially game-changing ideas in the music industry and so I suppose what we try to do is to take a look at the whole of the independent music sector and accept that I don't know five or ten percent of those people for game changing for them means you know being really cutting edge leading the way being early adopters all those sorts of things and then for the other 95 or 90 percent it can be as Sarah was saying you know just 
decide not to put your receipts in a box or, you know, or it can be just smarten up your social media. So what we're constantly trying to do, I guess, is to help people to raise their game. And also one of the things that Keith and I have talked about is to kind of get this, get through the idea that actually they're entitled to have that funding, you know, uh, it shouldn't just be about classical music and opera and, and actually it hasn't been for a long time but there's still this perception that that's what funding is there to support. It's only for serious music. Exactly, for proper music. Yeah, yeah. proper music, yeah. exactly. Let's move on to new media now because obviously the subject of Spotify is always a thorny one. I don't think I know any musician at the sort of level that I work with, emerging independent, who actually thinks Spotify is a good thing. Keith, what do you think? It's easy to look at Spotify as a problem, people getting music for nothing. We can't really fight it you know whether it's spotify or any other streaming vehicle really so um we've just tried to look at it as a way that we can take advantage of it you know you can look at a risk or an opportunity i suppose so we're looking at how we can use it i mean maybe spotify becomes you know the new single you know years ago people released singles and frankly gave so many of them away for free it was there to promote an album you know we're looking at now shameless plug but we just released the new paper shade single that will go onto the streaming sites but the full album won't so you know that'll help promote the album but you know so we're just looking trying to look at how we can use it you know maybe some of them maybe have exclusives on some of the streaming sites instead of having them out to general all the sites at the same time i think it's just you can't fight it you know it, it unfortunately you know there is an element of people who expect to get music for nothing i suppose some people would argue they're just the new radio stations if you want to create a business within the industry you've got to work in today's world not harp on about what it was 30 years ago spotify is coming in and filling a, a market need quite honest uh, quite obviously and i think uh you can do incredible things with the data that spotify certainly provides to artists in their artist services division you can really use those to maximize your other marketing around shows around merchandise around your other ways that you're producing music and packaging it up for your fans i think it's a, a glass half empty or a glass half full scenario I think if you do approach it with a positive mind and uh, we actually find that our applicants are using Spotify for the same reason that Keith just mentioned they're using that to identify to lenders that there is a market for their music those people might not be paying right now but there there is people wanting to listen to that music and that's one of the key things um, when you're applying for our loan or probably any other loan is there a market? Private sector help. That sounds very serious, doesn't it? We've got a great example here of a channel called UKF, which was an electronic music channel that started up on YouTube. Very DIY, but really niche, really specialist in doing something that no one else was doing. And then they were taken under the wing of AEI Media, who helped to finance them and just polish it up, make it look really professional. And as a result, they have a really, really popular channel. They have loads of subscribers, but they've also held on to the ethos of what they were when they began what are you what are your thoughts on this kind of takeover I wonder how much of a takeover it was I mean I don't know the story but it just reminded me of when we started the hub you know we were we were given a free office for six months by something else which meant that we were very excited because not only could we answer the phone but we had clocks on the on the wall that told us what time it was in about 12 different time zones so we thought we'd totally arrived you know that wasn't something else sort of trying to take over it was just them extending uh, a helping hand and and I think that certainly my experience of working in an industry which is sometimes characterized as being wafty and at other times characterized as being like you know completely cutthroat is that most people are really happy to share and are really generous with their time and their knowledge and 
you know, I mentor lots of artists, I mentor lots of businesses for nothing, just because I get as much out of that as I as they do. So I, I think that this world is fuller than people might think of people that are interested in helping other people. Sarah, um, in terms of things like free web space, um, mobile use, using recording facilities, that kind of thing, do you, are those are those things on the table? Are they being offered as a, instead of giving people money, could you go and ask for those that kind of help absolutely and I think that's the key to anything is just asking because you don't know if you don't ask but it's also about doing a little bit of research first in terms of who it is either as an individual or as a company that you think you might want to approach and you need to be able to have confidence in what your offer is because if it is a large organization or a large business that you're going to and saying do you want to sponsor this or can we stick your logo here if we can use your studio or that kind of thing you know that big business is going to want something out of it as well so it could either be that big business is an investor and they want a stake in your company if they think they're going to get a return in 10 20 years time or it could be if you are receiving some in-kind support really sort of understanding the value of that for yourself but also the company providing it because they're still going to want something in return if it looks like that's going to be a a fruitful partnership and you look at it from that point of view it can really help you grow a good example is red bull studios actually yes they do a lot of that and they genuinely are just looking for a a, you know a a credit in the blurb on youtube i wanted to go for final advice now from all of you so don't waste this moment guys this is a big deal um who should we start with well let's go around the table claire what would be your final nugget of advice I think my final advice, if you're thinking of starting up any creative business, um, is not to get too stressed out about the business plan. Keep it simple. Just describe what you do in a piece of paper and send it through to one of the people around the table here because we, we, will, we will read it and we will tell you if, if we think it needs more or if, if you're going in the right direction. Julia. So when you're talking about business planning, some people get scared about the idea that they have to write a plan. I think it's much easier if you just use the word design. I don't know why, but it just seems to unlock stuff for a lot of people. I'm designing my business. It just sounds more fun than I'm writing a business plan. I like it. Uh, (laughs) You might use that. (laughs) Somebody Uh, tweet that now. (laughs) But I think the other thing is, um, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about it being all about DIY. And I think the idea of DIO, don't do it yourself, do it ourselves. Build a team. It's really important because, you know, your biggest value as an artist might be just making the music. You're bound to have a mate who's really good at sums. You're bound to have somebody who's really good at design. You know, that's how I got into all of this. I used to help my friends out there in bands. Sarah? Not being afraid to really be rigorous and question your own assumptions about what it is that you want to do because that's what a business advisor will come in and say, that's all very well thinking you're going to be able to shift 10,000 units in this market. Why? Why are you going to be able to do that and how? All these businesses are run by people. The people themselves have to stand back and look at why are they doing this? What is it that they want out of it? But just fundamentally as people, you've got to live with this business, whether it's as an artist or whether it's as a record label or whatever. Um, so you've got to actually look at what you're looking to get out of it. Um, there's no point trying ending up working in a business doing something you don't want to do. Um, and the other thing is actually, you know, 
most businesses in their even in their early stages grow um, in small steps maybe not always completely planned they go off in, on tangents people see opportunities the, you know one of the things I've learned from working again with Julia is to actually step back rip the thing apart and actually say well what are we here for well I hope we've given you a lot of food for thought um, and of course do have a look at all the relevant websites uh, Claire, Julia, Sarah and Keith all the details will be on the website and thank you to all of you for joining us thank you thank you, thank you. I'm Ruth Barnes. Thanks for joining me. And we'll finish with another track from Coco and the Butterfields. This is Alone. Oh boy, you're sleeping. Are you dreaming of the world? Is your rucksack upon your back as you're walking through the world? Cause you told me when you were a child you would dream. And you told me if you ever got away. Then you would sing la 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 I'm alone It's a big wide world but everyone's stuck at home Oh boy you've grown up and I've shown up in your dreams And I will take you to the bottom of the sea Where we can build a house where we can learn to breathe underwater is magic and you've cast your spell on me boy i'm dreaming i must be sleeping in my bed all i have is your song and it's running through my head la 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 i'm all alone it's a big white world but everyone's stuck at home It's a big white world, but everyone's stuck at home.
For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com/audio.